0: Hello, and welcome to Fangraphs Audio, episode 973. On today's show, Eric Longenhagen welcomes back our pal Keith Law, senior writer at The Athletic. Eric just got back from his own trip to Florida, and the pair talk about going out to see amateur players right now while also navigating a tricky travel landscape. We hear about players like Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, and Sonny DiChiara, as well as how fun and strange it has been to run into industry friends they haven't seen for a few years. Keith also tells us about episode number 100 of his podcast coming up and we hear how good Tennessee has been while Vanderbilt has been a surprising disappointment
1: Vanderbilt's kind of been down they're down this year that's probably the worst this might be the worst Vanderbilt team we've seen not so much for maybe for this year prospects they've got a lot of guys for yeah. next year obviously this year they're not very good and the, the team isn't playing anywhere near, I think, anywhere near up to expectations. So I am going to end up seeing Vanderbilt in a week and a half or so, which will be as much to write about sort of what's gone wrong for them this year. This is one of the most reliably successful teams, reliably good hitting teams in the last 10, I'd say 10 plus years in college baseball. And and it's kind of not happening for them.
0: But before we get to this conversation, I must issue you my weekly reminder to go on over and check out the Fangraphs.com shop. It is not only the place to get your official Fangraphs merch, but you can pick yourself up an ad-free membership. Good for yourself or for a friend. Or maybe even for your mom. Mother's Day is this weekend, and maybe she wants to browse Fangraphs.com at blazing fast ad-free speeds. Maybe she wants a new coffee mug. Maybe she wants to support your favorite Sabermetrics publication. Check out the shop, and don't forget Mother's Day. Enjoy the show.
2: Hello again, Fangraphs Audio listeners. This is lead prospect analyst Eric Longenhagen coming to you from my kitchen island in Tempe, Arizona. I'm joined today by senior writer at The Athletic, Keith Law. Keith, how are you? You have
1: islands in Arizona? I thought you was like landlocked. I'm at the kitchen island. I'm not familiar I'm with that. Citrus. Geographical feature. I live in a series
2: of man-made lakes, as you found out during spring training when you stopped at the- That is true. Desert compound.
1: Yeah. We had an exciting evening of watching batting practice video.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know what else it is you think I do during this time of year, but yeah, I sat, we sat in the living room while we talked and I labeled video that I took that day. Sorry about it. (laughs) But uh, I could have made you play Magic again, I guess. It's true. So you and I have been out on the road a little bit lately. The season is underway. We're seeing guys for the draft. We're seeing minor league baseball. What has the last little bit been like for you?
1: I've bounced around a bit trying to see some amateur stuff. This week, I'm mostly home, although the weather is not going to cooperate. But I was down at University of Tennessee on Friday to see Jordan Beck, who I think is going in the, probably the middle of the first round. Uh, Drew Gilbert, who's also got a chance, center fielder, has also got a chance to sneak into the back of the first round. And they have a senior, Trey Lipscomb at third base, who actually is leading the team in homers. He's one of the NCAA's leaders in homers, who's probably going to go pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the top, let's say, three rounds as a discount guy. Team wanting to save some money, but not just take a generic senior uh for way under slot. They could cut Lipscomb probably 30 to 40% under slot and still be getting a pretty good player. And also I got to see uh the infamous Sonny DiChiara. Chiara. I, I don't know how he says it, that's how I say it because I'm Italian. Better known as Sonny D, who is yeah. <laughs> it was described to me as a fat kid who can really hit. And having seen him in person, I think that's an accurate adjective to use rather than a pejorative one. He could stand to probably lose a little bit of weight to be a professional athlete, but he I think he can really hit.
2: I mean, that question itself is interesting. I think that we have collectively overvalued physique historically. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bubba Thompsons of, of the world, guys, you know, there's certain guys for sure who can not hit, guys like Drew Stubbs, who, who like do enough other stuff to be useful big leaguers and who the assessment of their like sort of traditional, I guess, perhaps wrong headed evaluation of their athleticism turns out to actually be a meaningful part of what's going on but yeah like turns out that Dan Vogelbach and Rowdy Telez and like Jesus Aguilar they're not like huge impact guys but they have a place Mm -hmm. and because they can hit so yeah I mean we were big on Nico Cavadas at the site last year and I think yeah the guys like this are definitely interesting and have big league utility how is it you got from home to Knoxville what's it been like kind of traveling again
1: Mostly, it's just like it was before the pandemic. I am typically one of the only people I see anywhere wearing a mask That was even that is even more true when I travel to the South, which seems like it directly contradicts all the evidence that we see, which is that the pandemic sure is helling over and cases are starting to creep up again in a lot of places. I'm fully vaccinated, but I certainly don't want to bring anything home from my travels. And as somebody who travels, I feel like it's more incumbent on me to wear a mask more often because I'm more likely. to Spread something, right? I'm moving from place to place in the country and certainly don't want to be the reason that anybody else gets sick, nor do I want to get sick. I haven't had it yet. I'm one of the few, uh, the proud, who's actually not had COVID yet. So, from that perspective, it's yeah, everyone's acting like the thing is over. It's like, and I wrote about this in my newsletter recently, it's weird little things like rental cars are often harder to find. And obviously airfares and rental car prices have been kind of through the roof. And I don't think that's just inflation. I don't think it's just the war in Ukraine. A lot of these are just, you know, during the pandemic, everyone cut back on capacity and now they're kind of gouging us, which is annoying because it's just, it's definitely going to mean I see, I don't know, maybe five to 10 fewer players because it's not worth dropping, you know, 12 to 1500 bucks to see Cole Young. For a night. And I would love to go see Cole Young. I mean, he's like just out of my driving range, but it's going to cost him to fly to see him, which is, you know, trivial. You know, nobody really wants to hear this complaint, but these are the things that do, they come up. This is what's impacting my spring yes. and leading me to say, you know what, it's a better bet for me to stick around here and go see Wilmington or Aberdeen or whatever clubs are coming through my area.
2: And for sure, there are different challenges in terms of booking that stuff for you and I, and we both went through the experience of expensing stuff for like Disney Mm -hmm. and what that is like, and it's drastically different than what it is like for me now, but also yeah, like spending 120 bucks a day on a rental car means that like I get to do the Florida trip I just did largely because... My mom lives in Port Charlotte mm-hmm. and my uncle lives in Fort Myers and I have like a place to crash in the middle of the trip that doesn't involve me and like a car to borrow in the middle of the trip that doesn't involve me staying in clear water for four nights, you know, like it was convenient. And so I'm feeling some of that stuff too. I was also just so out of practice at this part of it, I feel like I've, I've caught back up, but the efficiency part of it mm-hmm. to be able to know, like to have my ducks in a row logistically with the travel components such that that part is easy and I'm not worried about it. It is second nature to me again. And the thing that I can do to max out then is interface with my contacts and know, oh, this 2023 lefty who's going to Vanderbilt throws 15 minutes from your minor league game tonight, come by for three innings. Before your game starts, and like you will see this <laughs> guy, you know, like so I'm I feel like I'm back to doing that part of it again. But yep. I spent ten days in Florida, flew mm-hmm. into Tampa, drove like the L from the Tampa area down through Southwest Florida, doing a mix of extended and Florida State League stuff. Finished my trip in Jupiter West Palm, doing mostly Marlins and and Cardinal stuff, a little bit of Mets stuff too, but mostly like those teams. And it was nice to. It was nice to do. It was nice to execute a big thing from start to finish like that and feel like I'd gotten my money's worth or Fangraph's money's worth, really.
1: Right? That was that was even hard to do last year because you could plan a trip and have stuff get canceled on right. you, right? I I only know of one game either around here or something I was planning on going to that was canceled for COVID-related reasons. And that was a game I was not super likely to go to. It's Jack O'Connor. from. He goes to a Catholic school in Fairfax County, Virginia. He's... Probably a top three rounds guy, I think. Probably a second round-ish, if yeah. signable. And it wasn't his team. It was actually the other team. But it would have been a, I think, a pretty well-attended outing for him. And his season, obviously, God, those these Northeast kids, their seasons are so short as it is, and they've been impacted by weather. And so for to lose a start, it's kind of a big deal for one of those kids. But that's it. That's the only time that's happened to me this entire spring. Everything else is. Pretty much happened as expected. My biggest complaint otherwise has been rain, which guess what? That's kind of always a thing.
2: And I lucked out and avoided that somehow in Florida. Like on the COVID travel stuff for me, I for sure am fatigued. And it takes a lot of discipline for me to like go into Target and still wear a mask, go to the grocery store and still wear a mask. When you saw me out here, we ate outdoors. Like I haven't gone and seen a movie again for a while. Like I'm still picky, went to see a Cardinals game and then came home and just hold up for a week and then tested. Like I'm hitting the gas and then the brakes. So like here, coming home from this trip, on the plane, had my mask on in the airport, which I, I cut it close by the way. Like I tried to get half of a night game in Jupiter in and then fly out of Fort Lauderdale at nine. And so at like seven... 7:30. I'm waiting for Khalil Watson to take his second AD, so I can like (laughs) leave. And then I'm hauling ass down to Fort Lauderdale, and my rental car is low on gas. And I'm like coming off like it was. I did some irresponsible stuff (laughs) at the end. (laughs) And so like I am like sprinting from the rental car place into to my terminal at Fort Lauderdale, and I just at some point like I wanted to take the thing off and my flight coming home was not full and I had the whole road of myself and I was literally using all three screens on my jet blue flight to like <laughs> watch Arkansas and Ole Miss on one of the screens and the Dodgers game was on MLB Network and so that's on one of the screens and like oh the Santa Clara San Diego game is a blowout but what else am I going to put on so and then of course I end up you know watching the Princess Diana movie with Kristen Stewart over somebody else's shoulder oh, most God. of the flight, actually. Why?
1: Of all movies.
2: It, there was something hypnotically weird about it. Oh, it
1: was weird. I hated that movie. For, for I really it, listeners not, who don't I follow it. any of my movie stuff, it was my least favorite of all of the... Any movie I saw that was nominated for an Oscar last year, that was last. The only movie I saw in 2021 that was worse was that stupid Tom and Jerry movie, which was so bad, I didn't even realize it was a 2021 Movie until I think maybe Chris Crawford reminded me for which I put a pox on his house because that was horrible. I was really fascinated by just watching her be miserable. Oh yeah, she was good at it. She was good. Movie sucked.
2: So I wasn't, but yeah. So anyway, anyway. What the hell were we about to talk about? All right, so- You were racing to the
1: Fort Lauderdale airport and you did with Khalil Watson what I was doing with Daniel Suzak. I saw you that night. Well, I was actually trying to race from there Over to see a friend of ours who was over at on the Diamondbacks backfields because they were playing the Brewers in night game minor league spring training games. And I was hoping I'd see some of the Brewers, you know, IFAs from two years or so ago, who are now starting to show up in the United States. And all the you know, a lot of them are in low A. And I get over there, our friend was there, which was good. Like zero of those guys was playing that night. So that was awesome. So I was like, I'm going to get my red eyes. This is terrible.
2: So again, travel stuff. I am finding myself being more cavalier with my own health. And then on the back end, like I will not go do any extended stuff this week. I didn't go see the Hamilton kids last night at Diablo because I just came off the road. I'm just kind of going to wait for it of all places and just see. But it is definitely still impacting the way I'm doing stuff. All right. So you saw the...
1: Tennessee kids. How was Knoxville? You would not been there before, right? I had never been there. It's small. I was sort of expecting like a mini Nashville. And there were, there was were stuff to do. I found a great coffee place called Remedy. I ended up hanging out there for a while so I could just catch up on some writing and some emails. I feel like I could probably go back to Knoxville once and sort of knock it out, no pun intended. I really I miss Nashville. I have not had a good long weekend in Nashville since before the pandemic. It's just one of my favorite cities to go to. But Vanderbilt's kind of been down. They're down this year. That's probably the worst. This might be the worst Vanderbilt team we've seen. Not so much for maybe for this year prospects. They've got a lot of guys for yeah. next year, obviously. This year, they're not very good. And the, the team isn't playing anywhere near, I think, anywhere near up to expectations. So I am going to end up seeing Vanderbilt in a week and a half or so, which will be as much to write about sort of what's Gone wrong for them this year. This is most one of the most reliably successful teams, reliably good hitting teams, in the last ten I'd say ten plus years in college baseball, and and it's kind of not happening for them.
2: Is there anything you know like if you haven't seen someone for a while and they've like drastically changed their hair? Like if I didn't cut my hair since the last time you saw me and it mm-hmm. was very long, you would notice how long it had become. Whereas if you were around me every day, it would not. Be such a stark contrast to the way you last saw me. Mm -hmm. Is there anything about being out around people again that has struck you after having taken such a long amount of time off doing these, like being out in the world and, and moving through these new places en route to do your job? Because I find myself like not, I'm never distractible on the road. Like any type of sitting at my desk here, having the internet just available. That stuff goes away. Like, I'm just on the move all the time during these 10 days, and so my experience of the world is, like, uncut with anything synthetic.
1: I have noticed, I've met, you know, seen scouts and not recognized them because it's been so long that, you know, they say, you know, they've they, their hair's different, they've been growing a beard apparently for three years, or you know, the last time I saw them, they you know worked for someone else or wearing different gear. or Maybe I go somewhere and they have a mask on. I've even just noticed, like I try to catch up with friends when I travel, and or even seeing friends locally who I hadn't seen in two three years, and you meet someone, it's like, oh, you went gray. Not that I'm not going gray, also obviously. But I've had a little bit of that. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all getting older. Like my whole high school class is turning 50 this year. I turn 50 next year. I was young for my grade. But like it's, you know, I saw a very good friend of mine in Arizona and he's gone quite, had gone quite a bit grayer since the last time I saw him, which is always a little bit jarring, right? If this was somebody I saw even, you know, every six months or so, I would notice that a lot less. But not seeing somebody for three years and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess we're
2: getting old. How about the level of play, stuff you've seen? I guess at the college level, I mean, if you end up if you end up seeing Tennessee, they're maybe the most dominant college team. Oh my god. I've and that seen. park's a
1: bandbox by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. All they did was hit. It was actually they were losing 4 to 2 I think in the 6th inning and then ended up winning 17 to 4. I mean, actually we I you know generally scouts will stick around towards the end and we were all hoping we'd see Ben Joyce, who throws 104-105, but you know, once the lead was double digits, I think we felt safe to leave. And he ended up not pitching till Sunday, so I have no regrets. But the caliber of play at the college level seems the same to me as it did before the pandemic. I don't know what you've noticed. It is minor league baseball that's changed. And I think the reason for that, it's not the pandemic, it's the contraction. It's the loss of the short season clubs means we're getting guys pushed up to low A who probably aren't developmentally ready for it. And then that forces other guys up to high A and then up to double A. And it means some of the more experienced, less prospecty guys at the higher levels are gone. They're just getting cut. And so I think caliber of play at all levels of the minors has dropped off where triple A now might be what double A was before the pandemic and it works its way on down so that low A, sometimes you get a good low A game and sometimes you wonder if you're at a complex league game.
2: Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly how cuz there are a couple of variables that have changed mm-hmm. and how that has impacted the flow of players in that area, the what used to be short season Northwest League, Pioneer League, Appalachian League, New York Penn League. Yep. And is now totally gone and existing at some combination of low A mm-hmm. sooner than it typically would be. And or at the complex level, longer than they typically would be. And so, you know, these decisions to contract the minor leagues were financially motivated. I think that the owners collectively saw the writing on the wall that they were going to have to pay minor leaguers a living wage soon. Mm -hmm. And that in order to counterbalance that, they wanted to eliminate, in this case, two rosters per org. 50 to 60 guys. Worth of guys. And so, you know, there are certain dynamics of, like, demand at play at the big league level and on the 40-man roster level around pitching and the need for pitching depth. And this problem exists globally in baseball. Like, you just cannot, whether you're a Dominican Winter League team or a KBO team or a Major League Baseball team, there is just a risk that your pitchers get hurt and you struggle to have enough depth to like deal with that. And so I think that that has, I mean, obviously we've seen it have an impact on roster construction and I think it's having an impact on the way farm systems are built, the way players are drafted. The technology piece of pitching evaluation is also playing a role here. What teams are doing internationally more and more as it relates to pitching, which is to wait like the Astros have, like the Twins seem to start to do San Francisco. You wait till the guys are 18, they're 19. You see the velocity has developed for some of them and not for others, and you just decide to sign them after it's developed. I think it's creating a weird dynamic at the lower levels between the level at which the hitters are at and how engineered the pitcher's stuff is at this level. And then also intersecting with that, which I got to see in person for the first time at the low A level was the automated balls and strike Mm -hmm. stuff. Seen this obviously like in the fall league where everyone involved with play is just more advanced. Where at Salt River... It's just an automated balls and strikes system calling, you know, the umpire is an earpiece in and is being fed what the call is. In the Florida State League right now, it is still a subjective zone that the players have a certain number of challenges for. And there's the pitch clock and there are rules around the hitter delaying things and automatic balls and strikes being called if either of those things are violated. And these low way umpires are very inexperienced, and then all of this stuff is suddenly on their plate in addition to them just not being good umpires yet, and the ball and strike piece isn't taken off of their plate because they're still doing that mostly, and you have, like, all these very young hitters involved, and so it is, it's a mess, like, to watch baseball there. It has pace. I was out of there in two hours and 20 minutes most night. One scout told me that he was done with the game in an hour
1: 58. That sounds great, by the way.
2: I'm waiting for the downside. <laughs> So, well, it's just these guys don't have the breaking ball recognition to get away with this, you know, environment that is very favorable to guys who can land their breaking ball in in the zone and pitchers who are told earlier and earlier in their dev process that you should be throwing sliders 40% of the time because it's your best pitch. And so this 20-year-old Yankee hitter, that's what he sees mostly. And so Mm -hmm. it is like impacting his development. So I don't know. I'm not totally sure how to wrap my head around what the long-term impacts of this is going to be. We are in year two of things being formatted in this way. And I can tell you that my sense of the way the game is being played with these rules is meaningfully different. Not all of it is bad. Like the pace of it is hugely positive. I think the only thing they might have to do is pitch clock that that alone will have enough of an impact to make all of this other experimental stuff, which some of which I think is fraught and will have knock-on effects that we can't fully appreciate, in part because they refuse to isolate any of these variables and assess them, right, over a long period of time. I think that we might not have to do any of that, that, like, the pitch clock itself might be a panacea. Mm-hmm. All right, so what have you uh, written about lately?
1: Uh, I am actually working, like, literally, as of 40 minutes ago, on a big board top 100 ranking for this year's draft. So that's basically all I've been doing since I left the house last Friday has been taking notes, talking to people, and then working on this, which, you know, and I know you feel the same way. This is more for listeners. Like even now where we are two plus months ahead of the draft, this is putting guys in general buckets. I'll write them one to 100 because that's what people want to see. But there is no, this is false precision, right? No one, I'm not claiming that guy number 54 is really Absolutely better than guy number 55. I wouldn't claim that on draft day. But at this point, it is more just general ranges for guys. Also, we'll see. We'll see what happens with players, most of whom are still playing. Hunter Barco... Just announced he's having Tommy John surgery. Said so that affects him on the draft board. More guys will get hurt. The cold weather high school kids are, you know, not close to finishing their seasons, whereas Florida and Georgia kids and Texas kids are mostly done. I think Tremar Johnson's been done for two weeks already. So there's still going to be a lot of movement anyway. But also, to me, this is. I wanted to put something out there that you know gets the right names in front of people and starts putting guys into putting players into the right ranges, but also fully recognize we're way out of the draft here and a lot of things are going to change.
2: Yeah, Kylie and I talked recently, and we, in our own future value-y way, f- share your sentiments about like, hey, aren't there? F- sure, feel like there are a lot of forty-five guys running from like pick fifteen to forty ish. Like who you could kind of pick and choose your Adam Majors versus your Parker Messicks and kind of argue for guys either way. Uh, You're also approaching episode 100 of your podcast. You've had a bunch of interesting folks on.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like what? The only time I had a podcast before, it went one year and then ESPN decided without telling me to do away with it. So I'm sort of like, do I do such? Should I bake a cake? I don't really know how this works.
2: I don't know. I don't know what you should do, but I've enjoyed listening. You've had people like non-baseball folks on. I'm curious if any of that has had an impact on the way you're thinking about work stuff. Some,
1: right? You know, I do like to have authors from the sort of psychology world, whether it's you know CBT type stuff or it's you know more of the you know cognitive psych behavioral economics side. You know, my my goal with having the podcast was always to just reflect my various interests, whether it's reading or Music or food or games or baseball. Obviously, I have some baseball guests on, and uh, and you've been on at least once, twice. You've been on twice. Had you on twice? I think I was the.
2: I think I was guest number one. You were guest number one for sure. One other time.
1: Yeah, I think you came on a second time, right? I can't even remember. I used to keep a spreadsheet of this, and I've been slacking on that. So I would be like, oh, it's been this amount of time since I had Eric on, that I should have him on again, because otherwise I would totally be like, hey, can you come on my pod? And you'd be like, I was just on three weeks ago. So that just shows you kind of where my head is at. But yeah, I mean, some of it, to me, it's all, it's funny. We, there was a class I didn't take in college, but it was called Thinking About Thinking. And I've always loved that idea of, like, we should always be thinking about thinking. We should always be thinking about how we think and can we think better? And just be more open-minded and more expansive in whatever it is we do. And so I, I hope that in the doing the podcast and selecting sort of this eclectic mix of guests that I am, you know, hopefully getting people to think that way, to be open-minded. Whatever it is they do, if whether it's baseball or something else.
2: He's Keith Law, the senior baseball writer at The Athletic. Maybe not the senior baseball writer, but a senior baseball writer I'm one of The them, Athletic. Yes. He's the author of The Inside Game and of Smart Baseball. Thanks for coming on, bud.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. My cat, I think, wants to say hi.
2: Mine. I found a dead. I found another bird corpse in my yard this morning. I saved a hummingbird yesterday and found a corpse today. So oh, that's
1: awesome. Now this mix. guy does not leave the house, and that's for the best because there's like a major road right nearby, and that would just not. And he only has three legs, so he's he doesn't lose any such battle. Yes, he might lose a battle to a fox. Never mind a car. So see you, dude. See ya. <laughs>
0: This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you to Keith Law for joining us, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider telling a friend or two about it. It helps us out. Don't forget to check out the Fangraphs shop, and after that, go get yourself signed up for the Fangraphs newsletter. It is the best way to keep up on everything we have going on, free to your inbox every weekday. Have a good weekend, happy Mother's Day, and we'll talk to you next week.